Welcome to the perfume room. Today's scent of the day is combined with my perfume juice, and that is because I am wearing a scent that is going to shock you all. I am wearing an Abercrombie & Fitch men's scent. It's called Elwood White Bergamot. And why is this surprising? Um, where do I start? Let me give you a little backstory, okay? As long as I've been doing perfume reviews on TikTok, I have gotten comments that I need to try Abercrombie & Fitch's Elwood White Bergamot. To be honest, I don't know if it's one account who comments it on all my videos or if this is like a cult scent that I genuinely just did not have on my radar, but I didn't realize that Abercrombie & Fitch is like relevant again. So every time I saw the comment, I kind of just assumed it was like somebody my age trying to get me to review an unearthed bottle of like their favorite 2002 scent. And I was like, this is too niche for TikTok. I have no idea what this scent is. It's probably discontinued. Lo and behold, not only is it not discontinued and it's a current scent, but apparently Abercrombie & Fitch is now relevant and a good store to shop in. Which is absolutely insane to me because if you asked me if there's anything I would do over going into an Abercrombie & Fitch brick and mortar location, I'd be like, yeah, um, I'd rather squeeze lemon juice into my paper cuts. If you are Gen Z right now shopping at Abercrombie & Fitch, you just don't know what Abercrombie & Fitch was like in the early 2000s. Let me explain it to you. The size extra large was as big as they carried, and that was equivalent to like, I don't know, maybe like a size six, if that. Mind you, this was a store made for tweens and teens. Do you know what that does to a teenager? You do because it's insane. And if you think like something like Brandy Melville's one size fits all is crazy, they had that at Abercrombie and Fitch too, except the one size that was supposed to fit all was genuinely an extra small, which according to their sizing was like a size zero. The amount of tears I shed every time I went into that dressing room. Honestly, the phrase should be changed to brick and martyr because that's what I felt like every time I stepped foot in an Abercrombie and Fitch. Anyway, apparently now they actually do jeans really well and have very inclusive sizing. And I posted a video about a jean haul I was doing because I couldn't find boyfriend jeans or mom jeans or whatever, wide leg jeans that I thought were flattering for my body type. And the amount of comments of people being like, get Abercrombie, to which I was like, you know what? I think I'd rather drink a full bottle of canola oil, but thank you so much for your recommendation. Anyway, I was in a mall yesterday and I went in and I tried on some of their jeans, did not leave with any pairs because I did not think they looked flattering, but the fact that I could fit into them was a huge milestone. Just take a moment to take that in. I fit into their jeans now that I'm 30, but I did not fit into them when I was 11. And it is not because I have lost weight. Anyway, as a full-time creative, I take on a lot of random side gigs and whatever to make ends meet. One of them was being a camp counselor this summer while I was in Abercrombie & Fitch. Very happy to report. Ran into my BFF coworker who is a 15-year-old, which was very cool. Lila, if you're listening, shouts out. Hope school is going well. Okay, this is so long-winded. But anyway, as I was about to leave, I noticed their fragrance section by the register. And what do you know? Elwood White Bergamot is indeed a scent that they currently carry. So I was like, you know what? I got to try it. And I sprayed it. And you know what it smells like? It smells like Nimat or Kumba Egyptian Musk, which if you have not smelled either of those scents, very comparable to Amber, definitely going to be like a fresh, clean white musk scent. And I would say the difference is, is that where Amber is a bit like warmer and softer. Egyptian musk smells more like linens, like fresh clean linens. So yeah, to the people who've been asking me to review Elwood White Bergamot, very nice scent, very clean, 
classic white musk. Very surprising from what else is in the line. All of this to say, okay, Epicrombie, you now have my attention. I guess I will add the following to my perfume juice, which is that I had sort of written off the Namat Amber spray form. I really feel that it smells a lot better in roll-on form, but I'm at my mom's house for Thanksgiving, and so there's a few fragrances I have left in my drawer that I didn't take with me when I moved back to the city, the Namat Amber Spray being one of them, so obviously I was wearing that all weekend until I got Elwood White Bergamot, and it's kind of growing on me, like I'm pleasantly surprised. I do actually think the projection and sillage is pretty similar from oil to spray, but if you want that smell to linger on your clothes, this is a great option. I think I would almost use it in tandem with the oil instead of in lieu because I do love the smell of the oil. Moving on to today's guest, today we are joined by the creator of UFO Parfums, Maxwell Williams. In addition to being a perfumer and an olfactive artist, Maxwell also sits on the board for the Institute for Art and Olfaction, and he's also a DJ, which is very reflective in the perfumes he creates, which are very reflective of rave culture, very abstract. Specifically, one we talk about a lot today is one that's probably gotten the most hype in the fragrance community, and that is a fragrance called Anal, inspired by, you guessed it, Anal. The intersection of anal and perfumery is one that comes up in almost every episode, so it was great to finally have an expert on the matter. Okay, I'm being dumb, but seriously, Maxwell and I had such a fun and interesting conversation. We talk about pheromones, we talk about animalic scents, and we talk about kind of the hypocrisy that surrounds the backlash that the fragrance anal has received when you think about what animalic scents are actually comprised of. Do you know what castorium is? Do you know what musk is? And most importantly, perhaps the biggest takeaway, we discuss how anal, the act, and the fragrance is indeed for everyone. When it comes to plugs, see what I did there? Maxwell's got a lot of projects in the pipeline, so I will just talk about the one that's happening most soon, which is that he is releasing a perfume called Angel alongside 100 vinyl copies of DJ Python's new EP, Angel, which drops in January of 2022. Here is Maxwell. Maxwell, welcome to the Perfume Room. It's so great talking to you. How are you today? I'm great, and and I just want to thank you so much for having me on. Uh, I, I love this kind of thing. I'm really excited to talk to you. Before we get into UFO perfumes, which I admittedly have heard a lot about, and I finally got a chance to experience them myself, we always open the pod with the following three questions. What are you currently wearing, if anything? Would you say you have any sort of signature scent? And do you have any fragrance or scent hot takes? Um, so I'm currently wearing a, a bunch of just aroma molecules because I've been in the lab working on some mm -hmm. stuff. Um, do I have a signature scent? I do not because I, I have a lot of different perfumes. I have a, a pretty mm -hmm. extensive perfume collection of other people's stuff. And uh, I do have like signature, I guess, sort of types of things for certain situations. Um, if I'm going to uh, an event or a rave or dinner or things like that, I tend to, you know, sometimes throw on the same thing and sometimes experiment. So um, mm -hmm. I definitely don't have a signature scent. I, I don't believe in signature scents. Um, I agree. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I have a probably a lot a lot of hot takes. You know, I don't know which one to start with. Uh, I, I mean, let's hear them. Uh, okay, I, I got a couple. I, I think one big one is that perfumery uh, in general is like an overall uh, kind of 
field is very conservative. And I think that that's like one of the things that I'm, I'm like, is very interesting to me about it is that it's, and I've come across it just being someone that is not conservative. And Mm -hmm. uh, I run into like the conservativeness of the perfume world all the time. And I don't think people really think about that that much, but that a lot of people that love perfume, they love it and they wear it. Like there's not really a political, perfume isn't really political in the sense that it is one of our senses, but the people that love perfume do tend to like trend as like conservative people. And I think you'll see that on like the Fragrantica message boards and the base notes message boards and things like that. It tends to come out a little bit. Uh, Let's see another hot take. I think that a lot of perfumers tend to overthink things. I think you have to know what you're doing in the lab. And I, and I totally believe in that, but I liken it a little bit to like punk rock where like the chords are really simple, but to play them well and to kind of make them sound good to a lot of people. You have to know how to play them well. It's good to know how to play them well, but like no one else is going to like know that you're playing them well. Um, You know, like there's a lot of people out there that love perfume that know nothing about perfume and all Mm -hmm. they know is that they like the smell. And then uh, I guess the other thing is that I think that part of the sort of perfume being uh, like a, sort of conservative has to do with it's it's very situated within capitalism because it is such a business um it's a multi-billion dollar business and um i have some friends who are in the perfume world and i have some friends who are outside of the perfume world as many perfumers do and a lot of my friends outside the perfume world are outsiders and and not really like you know there are a lot of kind of socialist leftist and communist thinkers and I also like kind of situated in the underground dance music scene I I do Mm -hmm. some DJing and and I think that there's a lot of kind of like niche pockets of the underground dance music and so I guess my controversial opinion is that like while I'm interested in like diffusing my perfumes to the whole world, which yeah, sure. If anal was in Sephora, I think it would be kind of hilarious, but I'm also, (laughs) but I'm also not like really that interested in that type of like unbridled, unfettered capitalism of like the mall world. So I'm, Mm -hmm. I guess I, my controversial opinion is that I'd be happy as a business being kind of word of mouth and keeping things underground. And I don't really have like, you know, financial ambitions. And I think that's pretty Mm -hmm. controversial. (laughs) Wow. I mean, there's a lot to unpack there. The first thing that I want to ask about of what you were saying, you were saying like you'll wear certain scents to like raves, events, dinners. Is it the same, like you have a rave scent, an event scent, a dinner scent, or like what you would wear to a rave would be the same that you'd wear to a dinner would be the same that you'd wear to an event? What I would wear to a rave tends to be something with a lot of longevity. Um, and I'll probably take it with me too, because I dance like crazy. Like I will dance until like 6am, like really hard. And like, just out of curiosity, do you need like, I'm asking because I just like genuinely can't imagine. Do you need drugs to do that? Because like the thought of like dancing till 6am, I'm just like, I, how? Yeah, I'm not. Yeah. I take drugs. Sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, okay note it (laughs) not you know I'm not like a I don't overdo it um but yeah it it, 
I've been raving for a really long time and Mm -hmm. there are a lot of people in the scene that are sober, which I think is cool. And I, and I'm, I'm really into that. And I think music doesn't necessarily have to be paired with drugs, but I also Mm -hmm. enjoy like, you know, Good fun. <laughs> Why <Okay>. not, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I didn't mean to like put you on the spot. I just yeah. like literally heard dancing till 6 a.m. And I genuinely thought like, wow. How? Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. You were talking about the conservatism. Conservatism? Wow. That yeah. was, everything I just said sounded so conservatism. Um, the conservatism of perfumery. And that you see it on message boards. And notoriously, obviously, I looked up UFO perfumes on Fragrantica. And it's a bunch of people, like, making jokes about, like, anal and whatever. And, like, what... And you were talking about how you don't want to be for the masses. Like, what are your thoughts on these, like, message boards? And where are you trying to market a scent like anal? which we'll get into yeah, in a little. It's funny because that whole thing, I I was like a little taken aback by. And th- there was actually like one comment that was on there that has been since, since deleted, which mm-hmm. was really like the one that kind of pointed to that conservatism. It was this woman who was very upset about the name of the perfume. And she said something to the effect, like, my, my husband and I have hundreds of perfumes. And I, I thought you were going to never... say have hundreds of anal sex. <laughs> we have anal sex all the time. No. Um, she, and it has no. never smelled like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Um, I, yeah, that's a whole different story. But, but yeah, no, I think, I think, you know, she was like, oh, we have hundreds of perfumes. And I would never sully my perfume collection with this pornographic blah, blah, blah. And, and I was mm-hmm. just like, wow, this is like so like puritanical. And like, mm-hmm. there are a number of comments, particularly with, with that perfume that point to the kind of conservatism of, of people when they're into perfume, people that would mm-hmm. post on Fragrantica, for instance. Right. And the funny thing about anal is that it's it had nothing to do with provocation at all <laughs> like it's it was it was a little surprising to me that it like turned into like this thing that had a little bit of provocation to it or or people thought it was pro- provocative it, it really was like just a homage <laughs> to anal sex like mm-hmm. in the first place it was just i was just like oh wow like a couple of notes had started to smell kind of like anal sex and I was like oh this is really interesting I'm gonna go I'm gonna like run with this and um you know started to like put in some kind of lube notes and some latex notes and things like that and Mm -hmm. and it just turned into like this thing that I was like wow this is this is really nice it smells gives me like this kind of impression of like this Mm -hmm. you know beautiful anal sex and I also think something that's interesting about anal sex is that like everyone has a butthole you know so like everyone has okay speak for yourself (laughs) (laughs) but I mean like you know it's like the one type of sex that like every everyone regardless of um you know gender or sexual orientation you can have so you know yeah yeah. anal is for everyone Anal's for everyone. And uh, if you take nothing else from this episode, <laughs> anal is for you. <laughs> you can 
and you should. You can do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So so yeah. Like really, it was just like that. That was like what I was thinking, and and um, it was also I released it as part of like a gallery exhibition. So mm-hmm. in some ways, I kind of think of it as like an as an artwork too, and like a lot of you know when you're making something that's like an artwork you kind of have to think about it from all these different perspectives and the one perspective I missed was that it was controversial (laughs) so yeah I don't know another thing that's just so weird about Fragrantica is like there's there's weird like trolls and you have to wonder like who are like fragrance trolls like the way that like so I don't know if you know um Justin Copeland but he's like a fragrance content creator and he did a collaboration with Zaharoff and his cologne was on Fragrantica and the number one comparison it got was to anal which he had never smelled and then the other one that was up there was like that Demi Rowling like Minuit Demi fragrance and it's like people just like find names and like like to troll their like anal spongebob and like they put they group them all together like i don't i'm just like who are these people you know what i mean who are like <laughs> like <laughs> i'm gonna compare anal to the spongebob fragrance like what you know it's so weird to me i love that though i mean i i, I do love it i i think also i i find it like kind of amazing that there yeah. are fragrance trolls that like there are people out there like that care enough about right, fragrance right. to to actually like, you know to it's to, a real niche when it, it has like haters you know yeah yeah like yeah. to to think about perfume ironically you have to think about right. it first so yeah. yeah there is like that sense like I I kind of love the trolls too <laughs> yeah <laughs> come yeah. at me trolls I want I want some I want some more yeah again I, there's another <laughs> euphemism in here somewhere but uh, I'll leave that to the people so while we're talking about it I am smelling anal I have uh my little blotter in front of me So last night I received a package from Maxwell. We had one that was lost in transit and luckily it came just in the nick of time. I got it last night at like 9 p.m. And um, I had already sprayed like 30 perfumes in my apartment earlier that day. And my boyfriend made me promise I would not spray anal till this morning um, (laughs) because he's like, I can't smell one more thing. And to be honest, I don't really want to smell anal right now. And I was like, you know what? I, I respect that. That's okay. So this is really interesting It's also, you know, as I'm thinking about this, one of the notes that is most common in fragrance comes from, like, there's so many secretionary gland animalic notes. So the idea of something called anal is not so far-fetched when you think about where musk originates, what castorium is, what civet is, all these things. It's almost like anal is, like, the, the human version of it don't forget heracium okay wait i was reading your different fragrance notes on your website and i forget which one it was you'll you'll obviously know and tell me but it was like whichever one was like sort of aphrodisiac-esque and it was like notes of rose notes of sandalwood this one seduces you this one calms you and then it was like heracium this is secretionary poop from a whatever and i was just like (laughs) i love the way that you like ordered it like i actually i wrote it down okay it says Australian sandalwood facilitates meditation and encourages creativity and aphrodisiac, aged patchouli, warm and spicy, stress-relieving, grounding, balancing, 
Bulgarian rose, the finest rose in the world. Horatium, petrified rock excrement composed of urine and feces excreted by the Cape Hyrax, an adorable little mammal who poops and pees in the same place its whole life, creating a rock that can be used as an ethical and cruelty-free animalic scent. Um, I just love the way that you ordered that. <laughs> I thought that was so funny. I wrote that down. I love the Hyrax. I, it is, I, I think I'm not I familiar. was a Hyrax at, in one of my past lives. They're, they're these little, they're these little things. They look like marmots and I encourage all of your listeners to look them up because they're hilarious looking. Like they have these little like buck teeth that mm-hmm. kind of look like fangs, but they're like pocket size. They're little guys, um, but the, they're very interesting. They're more closely related to um, elephants and manatees. They look like oh, little land manatees. But yeah, they're like they're like us in that they poop and pee in the same place. Like they have like a toilet basically, mm-hmm. and they go to that toilet and their toilet fossilizes, <laughs> and and it makes the, the the these desert stones and they go harvest them and they make tinctures out of the hyrax and and yeah, it's one of those things where they're not, you know, like castorium is kind of gnarly. Like they have mm-hmm. to, they harvest beavers. The, the, I think it's an anal gland of the beaver, right? I, I mean, I'm pretty sure that they have to remove them, which mm-hmm. I think is kind of the like, I think with civet, I don't think they have to remove it. I think they just kind of like stress the civet out which I think is like also not that great. Yeah. <laughs> like there's some like pretty like gnarly practices. I mean, they, right. they, they had to remove the musk pod from the deer. So almost to the point of extinction, you know? So like there's, there's a lot of things that aren't great. And ambergris is illegal because they, they thought, you know, that people would cut open whales, which isn't really how ambergris is, is like, it like uh, washes ashore, right? Yeah, they they repurpose truffle dogs to go on to like the you know beaches of um, places where sperm whales uh, migrate past, and they the sperm whale poops, and ambergris is lighter than water, and it floats to the shore, and it fossilizes on the beach, and then they you know get these truffle dogs to go find it, which I think is really cool too. But there was a worry that people. People would be hunting whales <laughs> right. so but yeah hyracium is you know it's ethical <laughs> it's good stuff I guess it's just interesting when you think about the you know you're talking about like the backlash or whatever when you come out with a fragrance like this and then there are so many notes that you know maybe today are synthetic but are at least even inspired by anal glands of animals and that that's kind of what this is inspired by right but it's ethically sourced and there were no civets who were stressed out in the making that I know of I don't know tell me did you stress out any civets when you made this <laughs> I don't know they they might if they were reading Fragrantica and saw the reviews they might have been like oh why are they reviewing it so bad no yeah. uh, I think which none of nobody smelled it by the way on Fragrantica yeah can they, you talk the people like I'm sure people are listening being like what exactly does it smell like can you like parse it out for us so, okay, so what I will say is that, um, so I was a I was a journalist and a writer for 15 years, and that was what I studied in school and my first jobs, and, and then I, you know, 
wrote for a really long time. Uh, I wrote a lot about fashion as well. And I think of uh, perfume as kind of like storytelling and and the power of suggestion and, and like these kinds of ideas of like fiction. And, you know, and I think it's very interesting is to like give people a little bit of a push as to what I think that they should be smelling, but they can smell whatever they want. Of course, everybody smells however they feel. But what I will say is that the story behind it it is more of an impression of like BDSM, like kind of dungeon and like you're on a rack and you're like, or you're tied up and like you're. Okay, you're, relatable. You know, you're, 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 you're in a, a leather, you know, latex leather, you know, suit or whatever. And things are a little bit dangerous and, but you have a safe word, of course. And, you know, you're being maybe whipped with a leather you know, instrument or something. So it's it's a lot of latex and it's a lot of leather. And then there are those sort of like animalic notes. Um, but mm-hmm. there's also things like I tried to to make an accord that kind of smelled a little bit like poppers. And so mm-hmm. I put that in there and there's a little, so that's like a lot of different kind of elements of, of having anal sex, mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah. the lead up and the, and the aftermath and the aftercare and these kinds mm-hmm. of things that like, you know, make it more of a three-dimensional fragrance and a story when you put it on, it does go for a journey on your skin for sure. Yeah. I have not tried it on my skin, but when I did spray it, I tried, before I like reference the notes, I tried to just like write down like what I was getting. And so I will read to you the notes that I wrote that I smelled, I smelled like cedar, latex, and cumin. Those were the three that I smelled most prominently. And then like conceptually, I got like something bloody, a little rubbery, a like tinge medicinal. I really smelled the cedar and then almost something like a little crayony. Like that's like everything that like came to me as I smelled it. And I will say like a few episodes ago, And I'm curious what you think about this fragrance since they might be distant cousins. But um, I had a guest on who brought over a vial of Secretions Magnifique. Mm -hmm. And this is not a podcast where we need to shit on other creators. But that one actually did something to me that made me gag. Like, I don't know what it was. And maybe you like that fragrance or maybe you have an inkling as to what it was. But I smelled it and like literally like dry heaved as just like a visceral reaction. This has a similar DNA without that gag inducing reflex to me of just that like animalic quality, but I'm not nauseous from it. Yeah, I want it to be carnal for sure. Um, I I, I do know what you're talking about with Secretia Magnifique. Um, They actually, it's funny because, um, you know, a lot of little boutiques will carry a Talib Durange, but they Mm -hmm. don't carry Secretia Magnifique. I will say I love Secretia Magnifique as a concept. I think it's- Amazing. I think, I think the one thing that, that I don't like about it is the name. I like want to just like, they should just call it, you know, semen or something, (laughs) you know, know, like whatever. I'm like, like, that's the sort of like, right. Like like yours is anal. There should be semen and you buy them together in a sample pack. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think I, I get what, I get what they're doing. It does kind of point to the conservatism again of, of perfumery and that they had to like dance around the subject a little Mm -hmm. bit, even though it's like literally they're trying to literally have it be bodily fluids of sex, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. sexual bodily fluids. And, and, uh, 
And I, I, I think it's a great concept. I think, I, I don't know exactly what they were going for because they are somewhat of a commercial fragrance company. Mm -hmm. They have a store, they have a, they're like a flagship in Paris. They're, they're not doing like art exhibitions. And so to me, I thought it was really surprising and interesting that they put out a fragrance as like kind of off-putting and difficult as Secretion Magnifique yeah. <laughs> to the point where like, mo like most boutiques, as I was saying, they carry a Tatlib d'Orange, but they don't carry Secretion Magnifique because I don't think it sells very well. Mm -hmm. And I don't think people wear it as a perfume, but as like an art, as an artwork, I think it's Right. Fantastic. It's like people want it for a display <laughs> or for someone to inquire about it, but maybe not necessarily to like wear. I mean, when you think about like carnal fragrances, you're talking about like and the idea of like aphrodisiacs, like people genuinely liking animalic scents because it reminds them of sex. Is there a note that you think is responsible or is there like a specific fragrance that you're just like, this just smells like... I will put it out there that anal has, like I've had someone over to my house that I didn't, I had no idea if they were going to be a sexual partner of mine and I mm -hmm. had put anal on and they, they I don't know how to say this I think personally it attracts some people <laughs> right. so I will say that one has had aphrodisiac effects for me mm -hmm. interesting <laughs> yeah I mean before I really like went down the rabbit hole of like learning about fragrance and everything when I was like in college I literally just like googled like what will help me lose my virginity and I ended up ordering Agent Provocateur. Yeah, yeah. So I ordered Agent Provocateur, which was like everyone around me was wearing like Moogler Alien and like Michael Kors Michael and like, you know, your basic Jasmine Gardenia scents. And I would just like spray, I would spray it in the air, walk through it and then put my other perfume on top of it. And when I tell you that I would go out and like men specifically would be like, you smell amazing. And I was like, when I break down like what it, what it smelled like to my nose at the age of like 18 years old or whatever, like I, I smelled like urine, cat piss, like, and I would love to smell it now and like see if I still feel that way. But at that age, I was just like, this literally smells like old lady piss, shit, whatever. And I'd put it on and like, like flies, like people would just come up to me and be like, you smell like really good. And it, there's something so dirty, like deep down, we all want something that's like a, a carnal sex type smell, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I think Paris Hilton, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think one of her perfumes had like a overdose of androstenadione or androstenone, mm. one of those two molecules, mm -hmm. which are, you know, derivatives of, of um, pig pheromones. That's wild that that would be in a Paris Hilton perfume. Like that is so off brand in my mind. Like that, I feel like she'd go like cotton candy, like pink sugar vibes. Yeah, yeah. I I think it has kind of some vanilla in it, so that it like kind of offsets the androstenone. But yeah, I, I do think that it was marketed as like a pheromonic perfume, which oh, interesting. I need to look this up. Yeah, it's pretty interesting, and and I I've used uh, androstenone in per, in one of my perfumes. So one of the first perfumes I made was uh, was an overdose of androstenone. Um, I made it with a with a poet named Ariana Rains, mm -hmm. um, who had a gallery exhibition and cool. um, about 
30% of the, <laughs> of the formula was this came from in this little tin bottle that I purchased, uh, from perfumers world, mm -hmm. which is like the distributor, um, of fragrance molecules. And they had it packaged as something called alpha male concentrate. <laughs> That's what it came in. It's a pretty like funny, but yeah, it's just, yeah. And it's, it's just, it was like pure androstenone. There's two different like pig pheromone molecules that people use, and one of them is androstenone. Like these are these come from pigs. Yeah, yeah. It's, so I'm sure this has been brought up on on the podcast before, but human uh, sex pheromones have not yet been discovered. It hasn't come up. Okay, so the deal is that. Um, there's no such thing as a human sex pheromone um, to this date. Uh, we we mm. we we suspect that there probably are. Mm -hmm. uh, whenever I have sex, my cat comes in the room, so I assume that that's what's going on. <laughs> uh, okay. uh, it's not during sex, but it's after sex, and my cat comes in the room, so I'm assuming that my cat kind of knows. There's a pheromone, really. Yeah. Something's going on, but yeah, up to this point, the only evidence of uh, uh, human sex pheromones is that they did this study at University of Burgundy in Dijon, France, where they found that women who had just given birth, their areolas secrete something, a smell that like all babies are attracted to. And I don't even think that anyone has reproduced this study. So that's like literally the only evidence of a human sexual pheromone that we know is a possibility. Which is like linked to motherhood. So there's even more complexity to that, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Which is, yeah, it's not even about like attraction. It's more about um, it's about the attraction of a baby to a, a nipple, really. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. yeah. And what does what does androstenone smell like? Uh, if you had to like liken it to like something that people who don't necessarily know notes would just smell out in the world. To me, it kind of smells uh, sharp, guttural, stank. <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah, it's it's uh, I don't know. It's it, it kind of gives off that human quality it's mm. very sweaty um mm -hmm. and yeah and when you use it in like small doses you can you can add kind of like a sweat note to your perfumes but yeah I don't know if you'd be able to use it in Europe because I'm not sure about the mm -hmm. amounts or if they even have it as like something that you're allowed to use in perfume yeah it's it's kind of, it's funky it's cool though I like it I had ordered like the pure instincts pheromone oil off Amazon I mean, mainly just for like, a, I was making a video on it because like people were asking me to review it and there was nothing animalic about it to me. I mean, I also just feel like maybe it was like the brand was like ripping people off and like pretending to put these like pheromone compounds in it because to me it literally smelled like like a watermelon lip gloss that you like win at an arcade. Like it just, it had such a glossy watermelon, like fruity early aughts type note to me that is like truly like some sort of like body splash meant for like tweens and that was a pheromone and I'm just like I, I was expecting something a little bit more animalic or maybe something that like my nose wouldn't detect but what whatever but I I truly got watermelon lip gloss from this fragrance and I was just very curious like 
if it was just bad marketing or what? So they use androsterone and copulin. Allegedly. Well, no, I mean, I assume that they use androsterone. Yeah. Like, I don't think that they would be lying. I just think, so androsterone can kind of be like masked pretty mm-hmm. well. Copulin, I think, is even less of like a, like it, it won't overpower. And a copulin, actually, when I purchase it, it comes as alpha female concentrate. So alpha male is androsterone and copulin is alpha female. Yeah, and I don't know what the deal is. Are men attracted to the pigs? Are men pigs? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the deep question. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, I am so sorry to interrupt your listening, but I would be remiss not to talk about my holiday guide. Do you know that I have spent hours putting together a comprehensive Google Doc with fragrances and fragrance-related gifts and non-fragrance gifts that I'm just digging? You can sort the entire doc by price, personality type, fragrance note, or category. So whatever you're looking for and whomever you're looking for, the gift you want is in there. The price is listed on everything. They are all linked. And if I have a discount code, I have included it in the link. I've even starred which ones are small businesses and or minority owned and or female owned. And if Google Docs overwhelm you and you'd prefer to see it visually, you can view it via Shop My Shelf. That one doesn't include everything on the Google Doc, but it includes a lot. I don't get paid at all for this podcast. And so affiliate commissions is one of the small ways that I can pay myself. If there was an affiliate link, I did include that link. So if you do want to get anything from the guide, please click the link on the guide. And then you are supporting me. Also, a lot of the things I included don't have affiliate links. This was completely independently curated. I just included an affiliate link if there was one that existed. Check it out. Share it with your friends. Share it with someone who is buying you a gift. And if you have any questions whatsoever about the guide, feel free to DM me. Let's get back to the episode. You know, I want to take a few steps back because yeah. we just went deep into deep into anal. Again, I'll just say it again. Pun intended. Let me just get it out. What is your background in fragrance? How did you get into it? And what is your what's your training? I come out of the Institute for Art and Olfaction School mm-hmm. of Fragrance, which basically means I'm trained, but in a very casual way. Mm-hmm. I am trained as much as I want to be trained. The Institute for Arnold Faction is a nonprofit based in Los Angeles. Um, one of the missions of the Institute is to educate people on how to use perfume. There's also a ton of other missions, including like the culture and history of perfume, like we were talking about a little bit earlier. There are people that are associated with the Institute that are behind the movement, behind removing the O word from perfume and a variety of other things. They're, they're going to start doing gallery exhibitions again. I took a class about eight years ago when the Mm -hmm. Institute was at a different location and it had just started, it had been around for about a year. So there was only two other people in the class. And uh, I went actually on a date with my then, my ex-wife and we went to this class and the founder of the Institute, Saskia Wilson-Brown was the teacher that day. And we hit it off immediately. She was like, you guys are cool. We were like, you're cool. And, um, you know, eight years later, 
I'm on the board of directors now and Saskia. Oh, I thought you were going to say you became like a thruple or something. (laughs) (laughs) Not yeah, My ex-wife, but now double wife. I don't. Yeah. You're you're cool. You're cool. (laughs) Can we buy you a drink? Um, (laughs) uh, No, uh, no. Saskia is like, basically she's my best friend now. Mm -hmm. um, And, and I consider her family, you know, like we're, we're, like thick as thieves Mm -hmm. yeah so so basically I just kind of stuck around I kicked it there and I and I just absorbed as much as I could um Mm -hmm. you know took some classes and and then just kind of went off on my own and did my own self-study and and just accumulated the molecules and I think Mm -hmm. yeah that's a big part of it is accumulating molecules and the and the raw materials so that you just are around them a lot so you kind of know what they smell like and and I think a lot of perfume education is just kind of like smelling stuff a lot and memorizing what it smells like so mm-hmm. that's not everything obviously there's a ton to perfume education that's like it taught at the schools in Grasse in Paris but um and so I've just kind of absorbed stuff I, I don't even I wouldn't even consider myself like trained in any way other than like I just set out to do it and I loved it and I'm a re- researcher at heart it's interesting too, going back to what you were talking about earlier, you mentioned you created a popper accord in anal. What is the process of creating an accord, especially when it's something so conceptual? What's interesting about making an accord is that sometimes the accord just doesn't work in accord with the other materials. So mm-hmm. it can be a long process um, and it can be frustrating when you make something that you think smells like poppers or you think smells like latex or something like that you've really got it down and then you like you know add it to something else and it like goes away or something Mm. (laughs) so I'm pretty ramshackle in my process I'll make accords I'll add them together and then I will smell it and I'll be like oh that a chord didn't come through and I'll just add stuff after. And I'll be like, maybe this will help. You know, maybe I need more of this thing. And and so uh, so making a chords for me is like a living process kind of. Um, once it's in the perfume, I need to maybe dabble more with the accord. And mm-hmm. it's not necessarily the accord I originally came up with. Yeah. So as far as process goes, I'm all over the place. When you're creating something that is so, you know, abstract, like how did you decide, for example, like I know Japani is one of the notes in that, in anal, like how do you decide what florals go into something that is so abstract? Adding Japani to anal felt like natural. I don't know why. I, I, I think it's like a textural thing. It's almost like buttery Japani when you buy it. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've heard of this place called White Lotus Aromatics. I've seen the HBO show. <laughs> well, there, before the HBO show, there was a there was a perfume, a rare uh, materials distributor called White Lotus Aromatics, and they mm-hmm. um, closed their doors at the very beginning of the pandemic. I hadn't been paying attention. I don't read base notes that much, but apparently they'd given people a year uh, notice, and um, and that's the frangipani I used in anal. And once it's gone, I think there's only a couple bottles left. Once it's gone, I, I think it's gone forever because other frangipanis just don't don't um, 
meet that kind of like to me their their frangipani worked really well in anal because it had this like kind of musky minty quality to it um mm. that helped both like the popper accord as well as just kind of like the musky accords mm-hmm. and um I'll try it with other frangipanis but I mean I think that's another thing that when people you know purchase perfumes they don't understand that like jasmine from one perfume house or one distributor is a different jasmine like you might smell like a, a, the same jasmine note in a few fragrances and it might be because they're from the same, you know, oil house or like because they're from the same distributor because like everybody's interpretation of these notes, especially when they're synthetic, like varies slightly, you know? Are there any distributors or I don't know if that's the right word, but are there any that you really like? I know a lot of people use like Perfumer's Apprentice. Yeah, Perfumer's Are there any you really like? So... What I would even add to that statement is that year over year, the perfume materials change due to, you know, weather conditions and terroir. I don't know if they change to the extent that someone might notice, but I think people do kind of notice when things change ever so slightly. I mm-hmm. I think after um, Serge Luton's was purchased, I can't remember who they were purchased by, but Shiseido? Uh, by Shiseido, yeah, by Shiseido. Yeah. Um, I think they reformulated some things because they of did, yeah. both availability and economics. Um, but I do think some of that was about availability, and um, some things just aren't available at larger quantities. And so they might have gone from one jasmine to another for instance but I'm not really 100% sure I don't know what goes into the yeah. process of reformulating a Serge Luton's <laughs> yeah, yeah. can't I say I, I do either yeah, yeah. but you also have a really interesting background because your fragrance is like a really full sensory experience multimedia I was looking at your website and you've done you know videography that corresponds you've done live exhibitions like can you talk about the what what your vision is like with your olfactive art yeah so I do consider myself in addition to being a perfumer I think of myself a little bit as an olfactory artist Mm -hmm. which is a complicated term for me because I don't really necessarily want to be put in like a box of other olfactory artists and I don't think any olfactory artist would want to be put in the box of olfactory artists I think you know in the 1960s when John Baldessari was like experimenting with photography. Um, I think a lot of people considered him a photographer. And then as he got older, I think people were like, oh, he's just an artist, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think like there's something similar that's happening a little bit with art that is made with adding the medium of smell to other art forms. The vision of what I do is, I don't know. I, (laughs) I don't have a vision. I think I kind of take things as they come. Um, I have a couple of exhibitions sometime in the middle of the year of 2022. And so I'm thinking like I'm, I have this idea of this like supervillain <laughs> and like um, maybe it's going to be like a supervillain's lair. So starting with something like that, then I can go off into like all these various like ways of like showing what that is, but also like having smell be a part of it. And that's how like a lot of the perfumes happen too, is like, I'll be making like a, an exhibition like Literal Volcano, which is one of the UFO lines um, started by because I was working with this weird uh, 
organization called the Los Angeles Metaphysical Library, and they Ooh. were... Is that like psychic mediumship and books like that? Yeah, they, they're very kind of influenced by Aleister Crowley and Jack Parsons and like that sort of LA mysticism of like, of, you know, the Altadena JPL scene. And they had- I literally did not understand anything you just said, but it sounds like- (laughs) (laughs) So, so Jet Propulsion Laboratory, which is like now a part of NASA, was started by this guy named Jack Parsons, who is like a very well-known occultist. And he started JPL in the place that it started because it is like a very, very like distinct spiritual place. There's this like weird form in the rocks nearby JPL called Devil's Gate. And it's like been turned into this dam at this point, but it's also, it's like the rock formation is still there. And there's like kind of this like energy vortex. I don't want to, I'm not woo woo or anything, but, but the Los Angeles Metaphysical Library is, is like has to do with all that. So they had like this like roving library of like mystical books and they were mm-hmm. doing a publication of their own and they wanted to include a perfume in the publication. Um, and the name of the publication was going to be Ash. And so um, I just went and, and made the, the hottest, you know, warmest, yeah. uh, volcanic, spicy. spicy perfume I could make. And I liked it. And a lot of people liked it. So I just decided to like make it into a perfume. So I, a lot of stuff kind of starts from the, you know, artistic conceptual Um, side of things and then makes its way into the line. Do you have any strong scent memories from your childhood? Yeah, so um, I grew up in Vermont in a very rural place near the Canadian border. Mm. And natural smells are always very interesting to me. Like I grew up in a place where there was a lot of maple syrup. My late father was a maple syrup hobbyist and he and his best friend had like a small maple sugar shack where so cool they would get really really stoned and drunk on whiskey and make maple syrup and uh that sounds like so fun (laughs) that sounds like the quintessential like vermont party (laughs) yeah yeah my dad was like in a real old school vermonter he was like a you know fifth generation maybe something like that like Mm -hmm. his family was loggers and and yeah so you know he had strong ties he never left so he was a real kind of he built the house that I grew up in he was a real kind of burly like craftsman but that smell of sap turning into maple syrup some people have weird thing with maple syrup like it's sticky it's weird but if you heat it up if you put some maple syrup in a pot on the stove and heat it up uh, it becomes very viscous and liquidy Mm -hmm. and I recommend doing it because the smell of that is just it's it's much better than like what you associate the smell of maple syrup it's not as like sticky and like I love the smell of maple syrup I like yeah yeah. (laughs) hold on one second I'll show you like this is how much maple syrup I like have in my in my it's like this that's that this is like I keep maple syrup so 
like much. And to me, like that is like the ultimate sweet smell. Mm-hmm. There is, there are some materials that kind of smell like maple syrup. Mm-hmm. There's like a furanones that have a mapley kind of smell. And mm-hmm. I, it doesn't smell good in perfume. <laughs> yeah. I was going to ask, have you like, have you tried to recreate your like childhood smells in any fragrance? It doesn't, it doesn't work. It's too sugary. Yeah. Like it's too sweet. And I think I could make like a sweet perfume, which would be fine. And I, I don't have anything against sweet perfumes. Mm-hmm. It would definitely be cloying. Yeah. I, I would have to be ready for people to be like, this is cloying. Right, <laughs> um, right. Yeah, no. So uh, yeah, maple. Maple is the best smell. But then also like growing up, I also, every teenage boy has their, you know, smell that they wanted to impress the ladies. My first smell was Aspen, which is like a very cheap Marshalls, TJ Maxx kind of I'm scent. I'm looking it up. I think I was like 11. Cody Aspen for men. It's a pretty like basic woody, like piney smell, but mm-hmm. it smells pretty good. I, I have good mm-hmm. memories of it. And then I moved on to, you know, the more kind of like teen, teen. I had some polo sport, um, Dakar Noir. Yeah. Um, I had, uh, I had, uh, Hugo Boss. That was a good one. Very citrusy yeah. smell. To me, it more, it was more about masking. I think I was like very, um, cognizant of my own body smells when I was like 13. And I was, I was nervous that people would smell me. And so I masked myself a lot. I would spray myself with polo sport and, and then I wouldn't mm-hmm. smell like me anymore. And then I was like, oh, this smells cool. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Polo sports like a very cool guy smell. Yeah. <laughs> when you're 14. The frosted tips, like very cool 14. Yeah. It's, I totally had like spiked hair. <laughs> um, I love that for you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it's really interesting the evolution of like going from masking your natural odor to coming full circle and creating something called anal, which is like all about celebrating like just exactly like your raw body odors. So, and I think it speaks volumes of just like different stages of life of like wanting to like feeling self-conscious and then just like owning exactly who you are, you know? I fully agree with that. So I have like this tattoo, this is late bloomer. And, um, Mm -hmm. and like that, that's real for me. Like I, I definitely like, came into my own late and I and I think it has a little bit to do with growing up in the country and like not mm-hmm. having access to culture pre-internet and then moving to the city and not really knowing what I was doing for a really long time yeah. <laughs> and uh, I think part of my late bloom is is like getting in touch with my sense of smell and through that getting in touch with my own body and things like that. Wow Maxwell that's beautiful and I think it's a perfect segue <laughs> to the final segment of the show, which is a rapid fire scent association game. I'm going to throw out different people, places, or things, and you just say the first smell that comes to mind. It could be any, like you could say a note, an adjective, anything. It's all correct. Are you ready to play? What's that smell? Mm, what's that smell? I'm nervous, but yes. The pressure's on, so you should be terrified. Okay. What is the smell of Vermont? Mm, pine. What is the smell of Los Angeles? Sand. What is the smell of your childhood bedroom? Cum. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, what? <laughs> Dirty sock cum. Okay. 
What is the smell of happiness? Coffee. What is the smell of anxiety? Blood. What is the smell of love? Rose. These are all very good, you know, one word quips. Okay, the final question is, what is the smell of Maxwell Williams? Come. <laughs> no, I don't know. Um, let's see. Uh, the smell of me. I, weird. I, 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 think, I think I would say, like, just, it's like, it's like the one time I, I kind of, I feel like an extrovert. You know, I'm kind of an ambivert, but I would say like the sm- I'm, my smell is extroverted. Like I like to yeah. smell like weird stuff and, and walk in the room yeah. and have that smell be like that my version of extroversion. Yeah. I like you smell you before you hear you or, you know, perceive you perceive your smell before you perceive your personality or it dictates that. Yeah. <laughs> Maxwell, it's been so great having you as a guest. I really genuinely, I just enjoyed our conversation so much. And um, for people who are curious about UFO perfumes, where can they check them out and where can they follow you? So yeah, just go to ufoparfums.com or uh, my Instagram is ufoparfums. And yeah, check those two places out. My perfumes are in a variety of different places. And again, it's very word of mouth. So um, I don't know what to tell you. If you know, you know. If you can find them, awesome. If you can't, get in touch, I guess. (laughs) And (laughs) we'll see what we can do. Yeah, it'll help (laughs) facilitate some anal for you guys. So, Maxwell, thank you so much. Thank you so much. I, I love it. Perfume Room is edited by Wyatt Peak. Music is by Max Vernon. And illustrations are by Israel Rodriguez. 